This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, I'm Chinny. And I'm Astrid, and welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that widens access to African history. We're also the co-authors of a book by the same name. You can find out more information about us on itsacontinent.com. We're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country by appreciating the identity of each nation. Through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello and welcome back to It's a Continent. Yes. Um, imagine if it wasn't and we said something else. I'm like, what did <laughs> Sorry, I click? You have the wrong <laughs> you, you have the wrong... No, stay on it, even if it's the wrong one. Don't it, touch no. that dial. <laughs> like, share and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> no, welcome back. Oh, damn, 2023 is coming to an end. Mm. And it's been a wild ride. Um, say the least (laughs) it's actually been been insane yes um but really exciting though really exciting uh paperback came out so that's been that's been good yeah 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 but how are you doing yeah just you know shivering Um. (laughs) so cold (laughs) we're in the studio and i have never i have definitely been colder I'm but not, yeah, not I since am, the White City recorded debacle. But oh <laughs> wow, you guys should have seen us back in the day when we initially started out in the studio before yeah coronavirus and all of that stuff. But we'd literally be freezing, scarves, hats, gloves, everything on. You're still cold. Yeah. You can still you can see your breath. Yeah. It was it was all. So you, you didn't could, know the struggle when we were recording struggle. those first. Episodes. But can you just imagine? <laughs> Just how much we just carried on through it because we love doing this so much. That's actually wild. Resilience. <laughs> yes. We'll create a LinkedIn post for that one. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. I started out eating pot noodles in a freezing cold studio. But look at me now. Although, talking of LinkedIn, that Pret CEO CV, I don't know oh, who yeah. else is on LinkedIn mm. listening to this, but he that Pret Climber. Wow. Yeah. No, fair Legit. enough. Yeah. Giving me hopes. <laughs> Giving us hope for promotions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> Manifesting it. African Pride this mm. week. I actually think this is a good African Pride considering I feel like my jacket is giving fashion. Mm. It's bright orange people. Mm-hmm. I'm like a walking traffic cone. <laughs> so uh, my African Pride this week goes to Chiamonadi who is of Nigerian and Swiss-German descent. In October this year, she started a new role as head of British Vogue. Nadi's appointment is not just a personal milestone, but a historic one as well. She is the first black woman to hold this position since the magazine's launch in 1916. Yes. She took over from Edward Eninfol, who was the magazine's first black and male editor. Mm-hmm. And his memoir, I think it came out last year, mm-hmm. um, A Visible Man, definitely recommend uh, reading that. Nadi has been with the company for 13 years, starting as a writer and working her way up to the position of fashion news director. 
before finally landing the coveted role of editor. So, yeah, congratulations on the new role. Nice. Hope it's going well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, two, three months in once this episode comes out. But it's just incredible. Yeah. Amazing to see. So we just wanted to recognise that. Yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. So this week, we <laughs> I was like, we're in Africa, but we're not. We're in Jamaica. Yeah, we're um, exten- it's an extension, extension of self. This week, <laughs> this week, we're venturing beyond the African continent and visiting 17th to 18th century Jamaica to share the story of Queen Nanny, who is also known as Nanny of the Maroons. The term Maroons refers to enslaved Africans who managed to break free from the plantations and establish their own communities. It's believed that the name comes from the Spanish word Cimarron, meaning wild or untamed. I've probably butchered that. Uh, Spanish. It was the accent that was missing. But oh, it's fine. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. My AS <laughs> Spanish from like 10 years ago really coming through here. But before delving into Queen Nanny's story, important caveat, because I think we always do this with pre-colonial times, but the information available is limited, which also is a reflection of the whole state of the the world, really. But so it primarily consists, her story primarily consists of oral accounts. Therefore, there are competing narratives. So if you're like, you guys didn't cover this version, there are so many different competing ones. We've tried Mm -hmm. to provide as many different versions that we could but this is her story uh we felt it was important to to share so little is known uh, that being said little <laughs> let's start off with <laughs> there is nothing known. um let's start off by saying little is known about her early life including her birthplace it's widely believed that she was born in ghana uh so how did she find herself in jamaica According to some accounts, Queen Nanny arrived in Jamaica as a free woman, accompanied by her own enslaved people. However, the other narrative is that she arrived in Jamaica as an enslaved woman alongside her brothers. The latter interpretation is much more likely, given the historical context of the transatlantic slave trade during that period. So it's much more likely that she came to Jamaica as an enslaved woman. And what was unfolding in Jamaica during that period? Well, the coloniser heavyweight Britain had taken over Jamaica from the Spanish back in 1655 and maintained the system of enslavement and establishment of plantations. However, the Maroons posed a significant problem for them as their resistance saw Britain, particularly its plantation owners, experience losses in terms of enslaved individuals running away and the damages done to the equipment and crops by the Maroons. These disruptions were affecting the profitability of the plantations and, as a result, Jamaica's importance as a British colony. In response, Britain launched attacks on the Maroons to regain control, which is where Queen Nanny's story comes to be. So anything that touches profit from these colonisers... They're just like, we need to shut it down. (laughs) Code red. Yeah, (laughs) we need to... to mm -hmm. And I guess also there's probably that whole thread of... If people are running away, manage to gain, so quote unquote, freedom, mm. that's going to influence those enslaved people that you already have still working on the plantation. Yeah. And so I guess by them pushing towards like, okay, we need to just kind of stop the maroons. Make an example. And, yeah, make an example of them. Yeah. Then at least then that kind of creates a mentality of actually, there's not even a point of trying to escape mm. because yeah, the, it's, it's even worse off. Yeah, that kind of thing. That, exactly. 
And uh, in the early 1700s, Queen Nanny and her brothers, who had successfully escaped enslavement, initially settled in an area known as the Blue Mountains, which later became known as Nanny Town. The Maroons at the time were fighting to maintain their freedom, and this is where Queen Nanny emerged. In 1720, she led the Windward Maroons during the First Maroon War, which began around 1728. British soldiers attempted to suppress the Maroons. However, the Maroons were able to outwit them thanks to their knowledge of the terrain. Britain also leveraged enslaved black soldiers who knew the area well, but even with their knowledge of the terrain, they failed. The Maroons were a formidable adversary. It's an interesting tactic that they've also, the British, used other enslaved black soldiers because it's quite similar to what the French did in Algeria when the yeah. Algerians were fighting for their freedom and they brought up all these like Francophone countries who'd been colonised and said, right, you have to fight for yeah, us. To fight for Which, us. you know, is very conflicting and just goes to show how these people had little to no autonomy at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think in that Algeria example, those soldiers who then fought for France are not then recognised. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely that not. That is the first chapter of that book. Yes, it is indeed, <laughs> yes. Queen Nanny's leadership played a pivotal role in the success of the Maroons during the First Maroon War. She's recognised as a skilful woman who combined intellect, physical strength and expertise in military strategies to train and lead her community. And because of this, over 1,000 enslaved people were freed. She kind of reminds you of Queen Nzinga here as well. Yeah. Um, Not just because she's black and a woman, but also Mm. actually because of her knowledge and how she was using her wits to outsmart, you know, the coloniser and the enslaver in this case. No, definitely. And on top of that, Queen Nanny's story is shrouded in tales of mystical powers. According to some accounts, Queen Nanny also possessed extraordinary abilities, including catching bullets with her hand or even her butt and shooting them back at her enemies. Others have recounted that during the battle with Britain, she put them under a sort of spell as they stared into a boiling pot. Depending on who's telling the story, either they fell into the pot and met their end, or they fell into a pit cleverly dug in the ground. But there's also the case of how she was able to sustain her people. The story goes that Nanny prayed and meditated on Pumpkin Hill. After her prayers, she found pumpkin seeds in her pockets. She planted them. And in less than a week, they grew into pumpkins to feed her soldiers. I think one of the important things to highlight with these stories around her just goes to show just how respected Mm. and the amount of sort of like power and strength that was seen in her as as an individual is is what I get from these stories. Yeah, yeah. It shows Um, how she was revered, almost like a demigod-like in a sense. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And I think that's the, for me, regardless of the account that you're much more kind of swayed towards or whatever, I think that's very much the underlying message with all of this is that this was a strong and powerful woman who was massively respected Mm -hmm. um, at the time and even, yeah, still today. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned, the Maroons proved to be a formidable force, ultimately leading the British to pursue a peace treaty because they were like, yeah, we can't keep We have to put an end to this. Yeah, we have to stop. So between 1739 and 1740, two peace agreements were introduced to end the conflict. These treaties gave the Maroons freedom in Jamaica, and Queen Nanny also received 500 acres of land. When I was doing the research into this, it did say that the British also 
respected her as well mm. uh which is kind of the reason a lot of people believe that then she was awarded this um this land reminds me of madame yoko actually it's like another <laughs> you know yeah. formidable uh african woman um sort of from these pre-colonial times where the british people actually respected her just because of the power that she held mm-hmm. However, it's important to note that these treaties contained certain provisions because if you're going to sign a treaty with the oh, British, yeah. there's going to be caveats, yeah, mm-hmm. asterisks after asterisks, um, that essentially transformed the Maroons into mountain police working for the colonial government as they were obligated to suppress uprisings by those who remained enslaved as well as track down other escaped individuals. So essentially, mm. it made them, they were now targeting people like themselves yeah it's almost like a case of okay fine you've done this and you've outwitted us here but now can you stop other people from doing the same yeah and in a sense Mm. it's then stopping the baroons' progress you know what i mean it's like okay you guys get freedom you've managed to outwit us anybody else no this is an end to it and you will ensure that that's the end to it and that's the condition of us then not attacking you yeah after the windward maroons signed the land grant of 1740 Queen Nanny established the new Nanny town in the same year and the land agreement also stated that Nanny was required to be ready to serve us, so in this case Britain, in the event of any insurrection, mutiny, rebellion or invasion. This is the way that Britain was still able to maintain a level of control uh, in Jamaica during this time. The details of Queen Nanny's death remain unclear. Some say she died in battle in 1733 while others believe she succumbed to natural causes. That being said, Queen Nanny stands as a legendary figure in Jamaica and holds the unique distinction of being the nation's sole female national hero. Her image is proudly displayed on the Jamaican $500 banknote. She definitely stands as the leader who guided her people to freedom. Nanny has firmly established herself as one of the most admired heroines in the history of resistance. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good to share her story. Um, no, definitely, definitely. And it's a different outside of the continent. Yeah, well, that is technically with connections to yeah, Ghana. Yeah, connections to Ghana. Possibly, um, <laughs> possible connections. Word to Ghana. on the street. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening, and yeah, we will see you guys soon. Yeah, and we can follow us on Twitter at X. Sorry, I keep calling it Twitter, but you know what it is. But it's so annoying when people like formally formally known Give it on Twitter, it's probably known as Prince, you know. It's like that. But, um, yes, you can follow us on X at It's a Continent, um, also on Instagram at It's a Continent Pod, and also on TikTok at It's a Continent. All right, we'll Thanks. see you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.